This episode is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a free 30-day trial just for you at GameflyOffer.com slash RPGamer. Thank you. Topical Banter Show, RP Gamers, Editorial Roundtable Podcast. I am Scott Wachter, and joining me for this recording are my co-hosts. I'm Sam Wachter. I'm a star at NBA 2K. NBA 2K? <laughs> just, just 2K. That is brilliant. That is absolutely Mac, are you NBA brilliant. Jam? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Michael Cunningham, and I am more of an NBA Jam kind of guy, so... <laughs> was there ever a baseball arcade game? I feel like there was. Was I, there one? I feel like it that was like NBA Jam, but baseball. I think it was. Am I, I remembering that? It, it was like know. MLB Sluggers or something. I remember like NHL 1994. That was where you had some sweet, sweet jersey action. It's the first time you could punch a guy and take his jersey in a video game. That was a great game. Mm. I'm Canadian. I don't pay attention to baseball. Y'all have a couple teams, though, right? A, a team. Team? Just one the, now? The Blue Jays. Yeah, back when I wait, Mon- baseball, there were two. Wait, there's Montreal. Oh, no, we, and Montreal. No, <laughs> Montreal doesn't play anymore. Wait, they got rid of them? Yes! This I was forgot. years ago. Oh, they did? Like, yeah, so now Sam it is just Toronto. still has a bunch of Quebec Nordiques merch, and we haven't told her what happened to them. I know what happened to the Nordiques. They're gone! Don't tell her the Winnipeg Jets came back. She never I, knew. I did know they came back. We had to deal with your sister. <laughs> Trent. This is what happens when you go to the Hockey <laughs> Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, I'm Trent Seeley, and I don't play sports games. I think they're boring. So so this episode, episode 37, because I'm going to point out the, the number, because there's no special significance to it all. We are There are no anniversaries or particular need, particular... Numerical, uh, numerological significance to 37. I'm just going to point it out this time so that when we get to 40 and I forget, you you know why. Thank you for this randomly pointless update about the number of episodes we've created. I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, someone... The other shows introduce the, the, the episode with the number. Like that mattered to someone. Yeah, we don't do that shit. This is episode 347. We should just randomly <laughs> like, just do a random number ones. generator because it doesn't have to be sequential. It can just be so, okay, so 359. In that, in that case, how are uh, y'all doing today? This, you know, in that case, I feel... Yeah, we no, can always was, take the Marvel approach of renumbering every and, five months. Yeah, every September we just yeah. uh, fire half the staff and renumber. Yeah. yeah so yeah, so yeah. we can't this name is, us after emojis instead? This is no. episode Smiley Winky Face. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I've been disowned by Trent. It's fine. 
<laughs> okay, so from now Trent's on, it's not down with emojis. So from now on, you this is episode negative twelve. I'm actually going to redo this on the archive page too. Please don't. Please don't ruin the thing I have to sometimes pay attention to. I will break you. Let okay, it... seriously though, what what episode are we on? Thirty-seven in a row. We've done thirty-seven of these episodes. I know it's in a, a milestone. <laughs> it's a milestone, apparently. Oh my gosh! Because we're going to forget forty. Yeah. Yeah, it's impressive. But to no, me, at least if... I, I feel like this is impressive. I think it's a great number. There were some times I was like, "Are we really going to last a year doing this?" You know, we're, it's we're... just a month. We're just going to get bored and stop doing it. No, we've been doing this for years now. Tonight, our topic is... Well, it, it, okay, so it is part one of indefinite parts of Scott's series of narrative video games are kind of like the jazz music. In that, A, kids don't play them right and it gives them brain damage. And B, um, I'll get into the actual beat, the real reason, you know, in a minute. But the the big thing is that... Uh, it has to do with how designers leave open spaces for player expression, and that's like the composer in pre-bop jazz leaving room for soloists to do their thing. The what, what, and the what? It'll get there. It's it's a series of thoughts that are almost connected and almost solid in my head. But what <laughs> I'm glad ha- you admit that. It almost makes sense. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. It's like the jazz music. Lousy seniors and their lousy French. <laughs> also, that doesn't make sense. Lousy but, seniors and their lousy French. Thank but, you, Junpei. <laughs> but today, but my point is that today we are talking about dialogue choices and characterization and how they don't have to matter to matter. He's played too much Persona okay. Five. This well, would be Persona Five has put it in my brain, but it, it started with The Witcher Three, and because okay. there are points in The Witcher Three where the old, where you'll just be sitting across the table from the guy who is just spouting exposition at you, and you will have four options. One of them is "I'm leaving now." One is "Yes." One is "I'm insulting you now," and one of you is to make a sardonic joke. Now, three of those don't matter. They'll never matter. They're never going to change the ending of the game. I don't think there's very little that can actually change the ending of the game, The Witcher 3. And maybe Persona 5's a better example because you'll be in your text message chain with your phantom thieves. And they'll ask that. And every time you have a text message exchange with these kids, they ask you for reassurance. The whole thing is a petition for reassurance, and you can say, we'll be fine, or I'm not so sure. And the answer, and nothing changes no matter what you say, except it matters what you say because you got to say it. Okay, I now understand where you're going with this. Because video games are littered with dialogue systems, and they're littered with this pretense that... Things, everything, every input will matter, and that, you know, you you mash Renegade enough times, you're going to get a different ending, and it's going to matter, because that's the promise on the goddamn box. And I think just leaving that room for the player to improvise, the player to express themselves, even if it's just like four bars, and then you come back to the, and then you come back to the main theme with the rest of the band, getting that moment 
is interesting and compelling in its own right. Because sometimes Geralt makes dad jokes. And that is important. It is important that sometimes Geralt makes puns. Well, going back to your example on, on Persona 3, for, uh, for, uh, for, I'm going to go through the role here in a minute, and I'll get to the right one. Persona, Persona recent. 5, when you're talking about you know the text messages that, my God, those things are exhaustive because they are just nonstop. And you're right. When you get to the end, it's pretty much like things are going to suck. Things are going to be okay. Those are kind of that's kind of the reply that you get to give almost every time. Or I think sometimes don't you have the whole dot 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 option where you just oh, don't say anything. Yes, you also get dot dot uh, dot. I don't remember. I wasn't paying that close attention. My memory sucks, so I don't remember those minor details. But it seems like it's at least the, you know, the world's going to be awful. Everything we're doing is pointless, or everything's great. We're doing fantastic. Nothing can stop us. Those are the two options you get. And like you said, narratively, it doesn't impact anything. You know, the, the only thing that really changes is maybe the next couple lines of dialogue that you read. How would that really differ in real life? If you were having that conversation, say the four of us right here, we're sitting and talking about, you know, the future of the podcast, and you ask me how things are going, and I say, you know what, this podcast sucks. I think it's awful. Nobody listens to it. Would that be different than me saying, oh man, I think it's great. Everything's, you know, fantastic. Well, except it would make that me feel worse. I'd feel worse, <laughs> would it? and also our boss yeah, would okay. crack down yeah. on us to make us do the podcast more. No, they wouldn't. Okay, our boss. Unless the boss is me. Okay, this is a bad example, but <laughs> to go to a more... This, Mac might not be the best example, because we're all volunteers here, and we operate with a ridiculous degree of autonomy, because we're not a news. I'm the boss. <laughs> well, we, we, we are all the heads of sections with no one in it, so it's great. <laughs> I'm the real boss. But the, fact <laughs> the, but the fact of the matter is, if I say, if, if it really comes down to it, and it's so... Do you think this episode is going to fly over well with the audience? And, you know, Trent's going to say dot, dot, dot. Sam says, I don't give a f*** about the audience. And Max says, no, I think it'll be okay. The answer is, we release the episode, and we plan the next one. And in Persona 5, the, uh, the question is, man, do you think this guy's going to change his heart? I mean, we did just crawl through the dungeon and beat up him, his other... His, you know, repressed emotions, that's how it's worked the last five times, and you're still left with the answer of, yeah, it'll be fine, or I don't know. Well, guess what? He's going to change his heart, and then you're going to plan the next job. Yeah, that that's pretty much the direction it goes, and like you said, that's what we would do here, is we would just continue on, and we'd release the next episode regardless, because that's just the way things are going to be. And basically what you're saying is we are narrative choice in a Japanese RPG is the way we run this podcast. We are committed like, to this because plan. Because it doesn't really matter what's said in the end, but thou must. Yeah, we, you know, we it must. goes all the way back to Dragon Quest. That's the first thing that ever gave you choice in one of in one of those games. And the choice didn't matter then. It doesn't matter now. But you still get to make it. Well, it's yeah, like when they ask you, do you want to do the thing? thing? Like, when they ask you, do you want to do this thing, and your choice is yes and no, and clearly the answer is still yes, because if you hit no, you get the character that says, but I really think we should click yes. Well, I no. hate those ones. Those just kind of I annoy think me. The, the ones that drive me nuts are the yes or no's, where the answer no means I didn't understand, please repeat the tutorial. <laughs> yes, that too. Please, please recapitulate the context of the scenario until I say yes. 
You mean you don't like that endless loop? I'm I'm just saying. So are, just... are we talking about the, the the dynamics of conversation systems in all RPGs, or are we specifically talking about a certain genre of RPG? Well, I think. Well, I well, mean, this is where it's Persona Three or Persona Five and Witcher Three. So I think both sides of the table are open for discussion. Well, I think, right, because I think we want in to Witcher, as you already said, Scott, you can walk away from conversation. Uh, either if you find it kind of like pointless, if it's a random NPC, or even if it's a quest giver and you decide you don't want to be a part of that quest, you have the opportunity to walk away. But I find that in most uh, JRPGs, if you are given a quest or or a, an idea of what might need to be done, it's kind of like a you have to do this. Like there's no real option to not do it. And I don't know if that's like a, a, a difference between East and West uh, or, or just development philosophies around freedom i i what do you guys think definitely choice it's like you know have there been have there been really any of the japanese side that have given you true like moment by moment narrative choices i know some of them can give you um i think you know you get certain points where you can make decisions that will allow you to go it's like you know like dragon quest 5 you get to choose you know you get to make a big choice in there and it chooses how the rest of the game goes. But do any of them really have good moment-to-moment choices? Well, I, I, I think it, it's a limitation of video games where it's still just a loop of if-then statements. So it's just a question of what games are giving you the most ifs and the most thens in any given instance. So yeah, Japan isn't necessarily interested in that except in Otome games, which is why Persona 5 is a great example for us because it's a dating sim with a bunch of other stuff in it. Whereas, you know, Dragon Quest is never going to offer you that. Um, even like e- even in Japanese games where there are a lot of different directions the story can go, that tem- that tends to be the result of player action in a different sense in that you you go off and do more side quests you look for the bonus dungeon that gives you access to the better ending and i think again because our topic's really broad here and i'm going to keep broadening it out we have you know western games that are going to let you you know everything is going to hit somehow like every choice you make in a Dragon Age or or in an older Bioware game is going to change what your companions think of you and which companions you have change which side stories you get to finish and it changes your ending. And in the case of The Witcher 3, there's so many choices that are just, do you play ball? Like, do do you play nice or do you play hardball with everyone? And Mm -hmm. more often than not, it's, you're still... You, you still gotta find Dandelion, you still gotta rescue Siri, you still gotta punch uh, the Earl Knig at the end of it, but along the way, that journey of Geralt, the guy who only plays hardball, feels different for the player than Geralt, the guy who just kind of leans back and makes these sarcastic observations and then trades favors and is nice about it. Well, I kind of want to go back to Persona 5 just for a second, because... I think one of the things that it does attempt to do is infuse a level of personality for your protagonist, which is very different from a lot of JRPGs that offer choice. For what it's worth, I mean, it's not as strong as something like The Witcher or a Bioware game. But I think when you look at the way in which they structured the protagonist this time around, the way that you forge your friendships, 
I mean, you can be a total douchebag to Ryuji as much as you want, and he's still going to be friends with you. But at least you can mm-hmm. play your character that way if that is your choice. Yeah. Like, if you want him to be the sassy, you know, sleeps with all the ladies type like I did, you'll pick those options and at least have a little bit of fun. Sam with- only got two ladies. I only got two ladies this time around. I was really disappointed. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but But what I like about it is that as the player... You are given that blank slate and you are allowed to still infuse a sort of personality into that character. Like, yeah, mine had machismo and, like, was total man whore. Well, and that's it, is... I appreciate I, that I was allowed to do that. And that's what I'm getting at, is that how much does just the, the option for player expression within the game's actual context... Because, I mean, all every player can express themselves... Once they get control and they spend the whole game bunny hopping or walking backwards or wearing a ridiculous hat. But, like, actually let the designers cooperating with you and letting you express yourself or your version of the character for its own sake. How much of that is... How, how, how valuable is that? Because, I mean, you know, asking a voice actor to say functionally the same thing three different ways is money that you could spend somewhere else. It's writing those lines is money you can spend somewhere else. Just sitting down and coding in a dialogue system at all is money you could spend somewhere else. And you know what? There are plenty of amazing songs that don't have improvisation in them. Beethoven's Knife, no one takes a solo. But Lullaby of Birdland, two people do. And, you know, they're both astonishingly important for the medium and does does that space like what what does it say about games that offer that space and designers that are committed to saying hey just just take the next four on your own you can do it well i think think, go ahead max sorry no no that's okay um the one thing that i see a lot of the the japanese side of things doing is not so much in um dialogue itself as much as the way the game plays and the way that you get to do different things. Like, you know, using Persona as an example, like we've been doing the three through five kind of give you really heavy dating sim choices. Um, One other game, you know, just going back through the list of games that I've played, looking at things that even give you any kind of choice whatsoever. The only ones that I really see are like, you know, I played Star Ocean 1 and 2. You kind of get a choice of which characters to take here and there, but that's not really... A whole lot of depth in that area but like chrono trigger for example you don't really have a whole lot of dialogue options that you're worried about uh, especially considering you know chrono is basically a mute protagonist in this case and then again so is the persona characters but you get so many choices of what to do in that game versus mm-hmm. you know the standard linearity but it's not even dialogue in that case but i feel like that's the direction that the developers of a lot of the Japanese games want to take is they want to give you their narrative and not really let you have that kind of control and give you the control more on the gameplay side of things. Yeah, it's Which, less not freedom. It's good or bad, I enjoy both sides of the story, but that seems to be the direction they take more than not. Which, you know, it's the same with games like Fire Emblem Awakening and uh, Fates, where you know, some of the choices that you make in those games, you just end up with different offspring because that's the gameplay mechanic they're going well, for. Well, that's it. Like, um, Fire Emblem is another good example because your choices 
in the field are literally just, I'm going to stick these two characters next to each other. And that turns into a side story where these guys become bros or date, make out or what, or what have you. And it like that, that's not going to change the arc of it. It, it can't because the whole arc depends on anyone can die at any time. Well, but just sitting down and saying, no, no, I want to play the, the, the matchmaking game. And that will change how I play the game tactically is interesting. And I don't know if, you know, a few years ago when the, the Western RPG sphere was in a riot over the fact that no matter what you did over the course of a game or a trilogy of game, it came to one choice at the end. Like, like all of my user input didn't matter because I only got one choice. And then we have a whole, functionally a couple of subgenres of games embracing this idea that, no, no, the journey matters as much. Like, the Telltale model is a really good example of this, too, where eventually Bigby Wolf is going to fight Bloody Mary, and whether or not he's nice to bridge trolls doesn't enter into that. Yeah, you just don't see that a lot in the RPG. I think... There's there's that older school that that you know Western CRPG style that stands up and always said no no we're gonna we're gonna give the player utmost agency at all times and that agency will be reflected as much as we can and that sort of saying some things don't matter but we're gonna but we're gonna let it like we're we're gonna make you feel like it mattered is really valuable feedback for the player. And just just the idea that, again, coming back to The Witcher 3, that you can just be kind of, you know, a bit of a sarcastic grump, but helpful as a character is more interesting than Commander Shepard showing up and being your middle school guidance counselor or being Dirty Harry and nothing in between at all times until the end. We've evolved so much. <laughs> Like, thinking back to the original Mass Effect, you really were kind of limited in the scope, because even if you tried to go any any kind of neutrality, it oddly didn't make sense in the realm of their narrative. Well, it just, it was just you, see, neutrality was just you seesawing back and forth between middle school guidance counselor and Dirty Harry. Yeah. And, you know, I think... And there's no benefit to doing that. Yeah, and there's no benefit to it. I think, you know, um, Dragon Age was a bit better in that you had aggressive diplomatic and snarky but even moving between them and well okay starting from snarky's default and then picking one as the conversation wound down felt like something but but not really having a distinct core play style for conversations in dragon age inquisition just left your character adrift and i think i think that's the limitation we're coming off on is that a lot of games are saying here's your tone and if you ch- you the character is defined by that tone in a weird way where like not playing like playing snarky hawk all the way through feels right but moving from snarky hawk to diplomatic hawk feels out of place in a way that i, I you know having a more cautious main character in persona 5 versus having a more audacious main character in persona 5 and having Going back and forth and 
having those moments of pause or those moments of bravado feels a bit more honest and who knows maybe that's just because your character's 16 well i think in persona 5's case it's there is a plethora of things that you can do to infuse a personality to your character like when i played arsene lupin because i was not clever with my name i made him a vocacious reader because i'm a vocacious reader voracious honey no right words <laughs> don't care um okay <laughs> yes i it is, tired. it is my job to read well actually it is my job to read for a living so i'm actually not entirely wrong like, you're, you're not wrong but that kid wasn't <laughs> no regardless you know he was a big reader and you know i when i picked the chores that i liked him doing in the game i picked things that reflected who i was as a person Minus the man horror thing. <laughs> Sam has dated no ladies in real life. I would like to, but I married you, so you can't date a lady. Regardless, I mean, it was also fun to kind of bounce back and forth between the kinds of ladies in the game, for example, um, who I felt fit the personality for dating. Like, I thought Becky was the best social link this time around. Why? Because not only does she have the best perks... In more ways than Phrasing. one. <laughs> um, but her social link, act- or her confidant link, rather, was actually one of the more interesting storylines. And in how you choose to help her, you know, kind of changes that relationship in a way where you not only feel for the confidant in question, but you're giving your protagonist a little bit more agency to how that relationship plays out. In Persona 5, there's some great moments of that. I wouldn't say they're as strong as some of the other games, because let's be realistic, the Sun Social Link in uh, Persona 3 destroys everybody. Well, <laughs> it, it's also weird to say that, because I think in in Persona 5 specifically, the, the Social Link system is set up where you kind of win. You always kind of win. It's just a question of how fast you win. And I'm not sure how I feel about that in my dating sim time management dungeon crawler game. Let's be real, you just don't like hanging out with Mishima and you know he's useful. Mishima is a dork. And I would and I would and I would have been mean to him in high school in real life. He would want I, you to yeah, be mean to him. Though. That. Also, just a complete other tangent about Persona 5. You can't politely say no to anyone in a text message. No, you can't. It's kind of funny. <laughs> like, like you'll get, like, four messages from people who want to hang out, and you say yes to one of them by showing up at their place, so everyone else is just sort of on the hook. Be like, presum- when is he coming? And presumably, you know, wanders off and gets, like, yakisoba pan or whatever, but it's really- I feel like a giant tool when I can't say, not today, Yusuke, you're not cool enough to hang out with. So you wish you had just a little extra bit of freedom to tell Yusuke how you really well, feel, I which just, is you I, don't like him? Well, I just, well, okay, even without the freedom to say, you're not cool, man, we're not hanging out, is, is probably too much. But just the ability to say, hey, not this time, maybe next week. Meaningless choice, because again, no one gets mad at you for not answering text messages and presumably leaving them standing in that one spot in the underground shopping mall for four hours. But I know, I know, Anne really likes that one accessory store. You hurt Anne's feelings every time. She has, she's been debating, yeah, she's been debating buying that one thing for about (laughs) Yeah, just staring at that one shirt. 
But, but like, again, it, mm-hmm. like, because there's so much in the text messaging that does work, the fact that you can't say, maybe later, okay, thanks, bye, is, is, is jarring. Maybe in Japan they don't say, okay, thanks, bye. They they totally say, okay, thanks, bye. Maybe they don't. Maybe this kid doesn't. I mean, he is a delinquent. <laughs> and he'll murder you. <laughs> Poor Trent. <laughs> We've 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 spoiled Persona Five for you in a way that maybe is upsetting. Well, I don't think we've spoiled Persona Five to say that Yusuke and Ryuji are not cool. <laughs> I think Ryuji's adorable. Shut up. <laughs> this doesn't mean anything to me. Kelsey is going to be getting me at some point Persona Five as a birthday gift. I don't know what any of these character names mean or or what personalities they have their yeah, personality not is not cool yeah, so you're just you're, you're saying words like this yeah. person is like this and this person's like this <laughs> okay no, but when you think of like dialogue heavy games trent um do you find that having those meaningless choices enhances the experience in any way i guess is my question to you because you haven't talked in a while <laughs> <laughs> um well, I was just kind of taking in what everyone was saying, but I feel like uh, there's, I, I guess, there's a difference between having uh, dialogue options and being subject to dialogue. Uh, and I feel very strongly that as important as it can be to build worlds or to characterize people through dialogue, um, there needs to be a balance that doesn't disrupt the flow of the game. Uh, and there are some RPGs out there that don't have a balance that uh, have quite a bit of dialogue, uh, quite a bit of extrapolation on uh, everything from socioeconomic statuses to uh, what characters were eating that morning. Uh, and, and while some of that is charming, if you're really into the game, it, it also creates a degree of filler. Um, and as a father, as a new father, my game time is limited. And when I play games, I like to know that I'm making progress. Uh, so an 80, an, an 80 hour slog, uh, which feels like it should be a 40 hour slog is not a great time for, for someone like me. Uh, but I feel like there, there can be virtue in playing games that have a lot of dialogue, but, but have dialogue options, uh, where you don't necessarily have to go through these these huge chains of uh, conversation. And I think a good example of that, from my perspective, is uh, Chrono Cross. And, and I mention this because I've been playing Chrono Cross recently, and it's been kind of... I, I've always loved the game, but it's, there's been a revelation to me about how, how much I think it gets right and how, how good I think it is at conversation and expanding the world and, and giving you the option of meeting different characters and getting to know them over other characters. And I, I think not only in terms of how you're engaging with NPCs and, and the cast that you actually get to play with, but also in terms of how you engage in conversation with people, uh, it's, it's straightforward. It doesn't burden you with every detail of the world. And, and I guess some people would have an issue with that because Chrono Cross's story is no- notoriously Greg. thick. No, that's fine. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I guess people would have an issue with uh, Chrono Cross's story not being more straightforward, but um, the dialogue just seems very to the point. It's just a nice blend of um, this is why we're here, this is what we're doing, let's get to it kind of deal. Whereas, uh, and, and I feel strongly that, that some games 
uh, like the Falcom games in particular, have a tendency uh, of being very dialogue heavy. J- just chuffa and uh, and chuffa is a good word for it. If I I wait, this is a screenwriting term that only I know, isn't it? Explain. All right. So how do so chuffa is light conversational patter. It's not. Oh, I know what this properly is. Properly a joke, but it's funny ish, and it's it's just there to fill time in the scene until the thing actually comes up. And if it expresses character, that's fine. So, like, uh, Bioware actually does Chuffa a lot, where you'll be walking along and two of your companion characters will just have a scripted sequence. And, you know, it it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't... It's not world exposition. It's just, like, you know, know, why, why didn't Isabella show up to Not Christmas? And it's like, well, you know... So at some point, your daughter's going to ask what it, why you keep calling me a slattern, and you're, you're going to say, well, just Auntie Isabel is a slattern. And it's funny, and it says something about the characters, but it's not adding anything to the game, and the reason why you like it is that it didn't interrupt anything. Unlike, say, Tales, where that sort of character patter is a full-stop thing. He's only bringing this up because we watched the featurette in Justice League. No, no. <laughs> What? Be honest. We learned that we were watching Justice League, and that's where it came up when we were watching the voice actors. No, no. Chuffa is a word I learned when I was, um... This is how I'm remembering this conversation. Move on. <laughs> no, Chuffa is a word I learned when I started doing it too much when I was playing uh, RPGs with a couple other people. It's alright, dear. Yeah. I'm just teasing. It's because we've watched a lot of Justice League, don't worry. I don't know where Justice League taught you the word Chuffa. I'll have to explain after the episode, but okay. Chaffa! It's a fun <laughs> word to say. <laughs> okay. Again, but, this is to, my marriage. But, but to make a great illustration of this, there's a bunch of stuff from just after we started the episode proper that I'm going to cut and leave behind the credits, and you tell me if the show is better with or without it. For Chaffa purposes? Chaffa! <laughs> okay. But I guess, um... I think we're winding down, because I'm learning both Chuffa. Well, uh, well I, I had another thing about sort of granularity, because I wanted to circle back to the idea of snarky hawk, angry hawk, and diplomatic hawk, and how much greediation actually matters. Because, again, even in a scenario where, you know, snarky hawk is a completely different person from angry hawk, like, say, you know... Grumpy Geralt versus sarcastic Geralt versus friendly Geralt, and those are all the same guy. How much do you want to say? How much do you want to say? Are four options good, or is or do I need seven? Do I need to be able to say no two ways? Like, do yes. I say no, like fuck off, or do I say sorry but no, can't do it? With Scott, we all know which one it actually is. I'm in so much trouble. Here. <laughs> I'm gonna cut you so bad. Yeah, I'm in trouble later. Chuffa? But are you going to answer the question? Chuffa? I don't know how to extrapolate a lot of that question. Well, I think no, it's how, very How many loaded. options do you think really matter to you? Well, let's do you, be honest. Do you need six? Is it None four? really matter. Because at the end of the day, you make a choice... It's really not changing a lot of things other than maybe this person will like me less or maybe they will like me more if we're talking Bioware. Okay. I have, I have a slightly different question for each and every one of you then. 
taking RPGs off the mat, which game, not saying it has to be the entire game, but which game out of any game you've played has had choices or just one choice that you felt made the biggest impact for you and why? Like, it doesn't have to be a major choice. It could just be something minor that you really felt had some true impact to it and why. If you had to pick one game, one or more choices from that game, what game and why? And if you want me to go first, I will, because I have an right. example sure. that I would gladly hit on. All right. For me, and, and this isn't a commentary on the game itself, is in Heavy Rain, there is a moment in that game where you are holding a guy at gunpoint. You're controlling a police officer. You've got a guy at gunpoint. You don't know what he's going to do. You don't know kind of what's going on. And you have full control over whether you just like pull the trigger instantly, whether you wait and see what he does, whether you don't pull the trigger at all and see, you know, what else goes on. But in that moment, that's, that is the one game, even more so than some of the, the great Bioware choices, which I really like their dialogue choices, but this is the one thing I always come back to, is I've never felt more like in, like I never felt more like a game gave me a feeling of being in the moment than that one moment did in Heavy Rain. And like I said, I'm not taking the whole game as, you know, I'm, I'm not making a commentary on that as a whole, but just that one section to sit and watch my character have to decide in this you moment, make, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to pull this trigger and shoot this person? You know, what happens if I do it? It wasn't going to no, be a game, the game on. If you did it, something was going to continue on and it was going to continue and give you more content regardless of what you chose. So few games give that kind of feeling. But that one moment in one game, it was there wasn't even really... A dialogue choice it was just a choice that you were making and there was dialogue that was behind it but that really gave me an impact that nothing else has had ever hit to that point and very few games have really you know what i've got one that's kind of similar which is there's a scene in until dawn and scott's groaning already i am not groaning i'm rolling my <laughs> eyes there is a distinct difference so and no. like I said, well, it's not all commentary on the whole game. I, at the same time, I chose to roll my eyes and not to groan, and mm -hmm. I feel like I have expressed myself. What I love about Until Dawn as a game is that choices that you make really do impact the story in a larger sense. Um, for example, one of the characters, Matt, he can die up to seven different ways in the game, based on just simple trial and error, or making a really nasty decision. But what scene always stuck out to me every time I play that game is there's a scene with Matt and Emily where they are near a cliff. Now, if you remember to grab the axe, Matt is carrying it. If you forget it, he doesn't have it. And he's standing in front of a bunch of deer. He's petrified. And one of the choices is, is you can attack the deer. You can make the choice to um, not attack the deer and essentially try to calm it. Or you fall off the cliff by making, and, and regardless, if you don't make a choice, Matt falls off the cliff and dies and is taken by the Wendigo. Mm -hmm. And I always love that scene because you get a very large sense of danger. You get Emily who is screaming at you from behind, like saying, Matt, we're going to die because deer. 
you're fucking friendly. So it's one of those things where you kind of look at it and you're like, Emily, you're really special. You're supposed to be the smart one, apparently. They could have picked a more menacing animal. But, like, what again, I love the fact that she's labeled as the smart one. And meanwhile, she's the one freaking out about the deer. You've got Matt, who is trying to both calm her down, but also trying to deal with the fact that they could potentially fall off this cliff if he doesn't make a swift decision. And there's a lot of those moments in that game where they're very vivid and clear and they make you uncomfortable. There's a lot of moments in Until Dawn Mm -hmm. where a choice that you make can kind of leave you emotionally crippled because, you know, like I wanted to have a play. My first playthrough, I was determined I was going to have everybody alive. And I failed miserably because Matt was like, I think, the first one to go. And he ended up on a meat hook. And it was horrible to see him on a meat hook because you think about how Matt is and he's not a bad person. Which is against the rules, right? But it's also a teen slasher movie, so everybody dies. No, no, the biggest asshole has to die first. Yeah, not in Until Dawn. Okay, but... Because the biggest asshole is part of the big plot. I know, but okay. I love you, Rami Malek. (laughs) I love you so much. But to bring it back to, I guess, my idea about just just letting the player inhabit a character, you know, actually role-play, not in a role-playing game, is there's this point in The Witcher 3 where... You have to kill one of the Wild Hunt's key generals. You get into, like, two big honking fights. One is Siri. You have to kill uh, a trio of witches. And then you it, it jump cuts to Geralt fighting this general. And it is... Both are these long, drawn-out, like, just gut-punch fights. I think... I think... I think they gave me Carpal Tunnel Syndrome, I'll be honest. But... At the end of it, Ciri and Geralt meet up, and there's, you know, bleeding witches under a tree and a frozen elf guy on top of a cliff. And, you know, the game isn't done. This is just the fight before the last fight. And the tension has been pretty tight for the past five or six hours a game. It's been winding you up. But you're, you're just standing on the cliff with Ciri, and you have the option to say... Now let's sit here for a minute longer and chat. You can say let you you can say let's put the plot on hold and let me be Witcher Dad for a minute. And you don't talk about much of anything. I don't think you make a dialogue choice after that. You just watch the sun go down on this cliff. And just having that moment to breathe, mm-hmm. saying you decide if you want to breathe now is interesting because Video games are not always great about building in quiet time, and when they do, it's almost inevitably forced quiet time where you have to look at, you know, the um, the level designer's sense of architecture. And here it's just, no, you're on a cliff, there's a lighting effect off, a, off at the edge of the, si- the skybox, let it breathe for a minute. Or you can go punch more elves. Your call. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned The Witcher 3, because my response to Max's question would have also been The Witcher 3. Uh, specifically, uh, the the reasons of state quest. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but essentially uh, you have the option of siding either with uh, sort of one faction uh, and someone you've known over the course of several games, or another faction uh Again, someone you've known for some time and have a fairly rich and complex history. Uh, and what what blew me away is that it was ultimately one dialogue choice uh, that was essentially resulted in one of those two people being decapitated yeah. by me. 
<laughs> and then that's it. You know, that's that's the beautiful thing about that series. It's that person um, providing I'm keeping this continuity forward into uh, The Witcher 4, presumably when it re- releases, uh, is gone forever. They're gone. They're done. And uh, that feeling, you don't you, you don't really you don't get that feeling from a lot of RPGs. Everything just kind of seems like they're they're there until they're used and then they're there until they're used. Um, but the idea that, you know, the, a, a person's life in a game is somewhat tenuous and your decisions lead ultimately to where it goes. And, is, and that I quest think, is the sequel to The Witcher 2 because, and I, I'm, I'm going to phrase mm-hmm. that that way. That quest is specifically the sequel to The Witcher 2 in that it ties off literally a bunch of characters from that sequel from that game and is specifically about the fallout of the plot of that game in a way that the witcher 3 kind of skates past otherwise like it's really important if you played the last one and just isn't otherwise feelings thoughts winding down time so i guess uh hey before we kick it over to comments um Gamefly is our sponsor for the episode, and it's offering a premium free 30-day trial to check out their service. It streams uh, a library of 8,000 games to your smart TV or a set-top box, and um, of those 8,000 games, it's hard to choose. So let's start with The Witcher 3. It's brand new, it's shiny, we here at RP Gamer like it a hell of a lot. And you can dig in to see what we mean when we talk about how you can decide how Geralt talks to people, even if it's mostly just mm-hmm, and uh, making fun of them and before walking away. Again, that's GameFlyOffer.com slash RPGamer to start a free 30-day trial and see for yourself. Kicking it over to comments from last episode, wherein we talked about... You know, Final Fantasy at 35, or at 30, sorry. What's 35 this year? Dragon Quest? Is Dragon Quest 35? Mm. I forget. No. Maybe? No. Something, something's 35 this Maybe. year. Us. No. <laughs> Mac? We got 37. Yeah. I'm 37 okay. in about a month. Either I'm, way, we were talking about Final count? Fantasy at 30, no. which means that the first half of the thread is about Legend of Ligaya. A game I like. A game I find baffling. <laughs> Has nothing to do with Final Fantasy, but good on you guys for talking about Ligaya. Yeah, uh, I think I think Sam said she wanted more games with pirates, and somehow that See, brought out Ligaya. They, they were talking about Ligaya 2, though, which I'm not... Well, Ligaya 2 didn't seem to have pirates in it, from what I remember. It had some sort of sexual harassment monkey and um, amnesia tattoo man, right? You know what, though? Legend of Ligaya did have a pretty bitchin' battle system. Push up, and then down, and then left to do a different thing. It was fun to make crazy combos in that game. Oh my god, I love Ligaya. I want to play it again. <laughs> okay. See, that maybe that that's why they were telling you to play it. Uh, clearly. I have too many games to play, though. Okay. Uh, then there was some sincere thoughts about what Final Fantasy means at 30 from people who, like me, came to it later in life. Um, and our, and when, and Disa is sort of committed to actually going through all Final Fantasies. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, 
Power to you, man. More power power to you, lady man. Um, Barry <laughs> had some information about the Wonder Swan color, but it wasn't buying us any, so, you know. Cassandra, you owe us a Wonder Swan you color. You owe us a Wonder Swan color. She's not going to buy us one. <laughs> She's not buying us one. She didn't buy me uh, one. <laughs> I take one. We're an engage. I take an engage even. Somebody wants to uh, give me oh, one of no. those. See, I am, See, I'm I am picky. picky. If you want to give me an NG, engage, it has to an be NG. An, an engage, it has to be the first version of it that you had to hold to your side of your head like a taco to talk on. And you had to remove the battery to change <laughs> games. Oh no! I <laughs> totally side talking. Of Not course, enough. of course, he wants the taco. That's that's Scott. Look, if you're gonna give me an end gauge, give me the stupidest possible end gauge. Otherwise, what are we doing here? What What about the Gizmodo, the the handheld that was funded by like a Swedish mobster that actually because of the plastics that they used is is melting and won't really wow. last. Oh, wow. 10 or 15 years oh, yeah. Did you, did you hear did. about this? Well, I remember. No. I, I know the machine you're cool. talking about. Now. It was Adware. <laughs> Why? It's not good. Why? Just to watch <laughs> it melt. Like, New Orleans is sinking. There's, but, there's poetry in that. What about the Ouya? Do we want that back? No. We don't, we don't need an no. Android box that can't run uh, any of the ice cream ones. No. We didn't Ooh, yeah. want it to start with. Oh, a lot of people wanted it to start Ooh, with. Yeah. No, they didn't. They thought they did. <laughs> okay. They were wrong. Ooh, yeah. I, I guess the uh, the last comment is uh, from <laughs> the last comment Sorry. is from Jay Scarp, who was actually calling back to the previous episode about us explaining how we review stuff and how yeah no it's 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 interesting that no one actually talks about that. We are awesome for talking about behind the scenes and how we do review shit. Whoa. Which is really just me going, can't have this many five out of fives in one year. I don't care how many of you guys want to get five out of five. No, you can give it 4.5. 4.5. It's not like we have a little <laughs> bowl that we're, you know, that we hand things out of and say, all right, you know, here's our bowl of, of fives. We can only do so many. Yeah, we should. Like we do it that way, You're not Hunger Games English. Yeah, same shit. time. You mean we can't? No, we may not turn this into the Hunger Games. But the odds are ever always in my favor. <laughs> I, I, I joke. If this is the case, though, if we're capping how many fives we give, I want to see more ones. Oh, well, there's never been a rule on how many ones we can give. It's just that the rule is how many people are willing to play Chemco games this year. Hey, most of those get at least uh. a two. Fair. They do work. Oh, actually, the one I played recently didn't work, so that was interesting. Uh. If I had finished it, I would have gave it a one. I like giving things one sometimes. It makes me feel thoughtful. It's or good. angry. I don't know. All right. So I guess that's our episode for the month. Um, uh, You're always free to join into the comments section, which may be sprinkled with prizes periodically. I think for this episode, someone is going to get something baffling and someone is going to get something retro and Final Fantasy-ish. Keep your eye on your emails, so, everyone who commented. Basically, mm. all you have to do is, like, what Bart Simpson does, where's my elephant? No, <laughs> just check your emails, and it'll be, you'll, you'll have a Steam gift somehow. So we're not doing where's my elephant? No one's getting an elephant! Can I just say this is the best episode 37 we've ever had? <laughs> this is the best 37th episode yep, we've ever yeah. done. 
<laughs> okay. But until next month when we will talk about something else entirely and not the jazz music. Or elephants. <laughs> or elephants. Have a great time. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production. Visit rpgamer.com for past episodes, comments, sections, other great podcasts, as well as piles upon piles of written content. All music is courtesy of ocremix.com, composed by Nobuo Oimatsu. Thank you for listening. I'm Commander Ship, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. So you've been making your own kind now? Wow. Making your own bread? Yes, yes, I have. It's pretty awesome. Scott hasn't made Mother-in-law it. does that. She's got all kinds of bread makers, but I've always enjoyed it, but I've never watched how she does it or paid attention to any of that stuff. Oh, I do it by hand. I'm already in trouble because I said Scott hasn't made bread in a while and he made a grumpy face. Sam is trying to guilt me for you know, being out of the house. I am also out of the house a lot, so don't feel like yeah, this and works. Yeah, don't make Sam feel bad for not making me bread. You've never asked. <laughs> yeah, I don't ask Should- Sam to make bread. We should all make bread for each other. That would be the nicest gift. I need to play video games, clearly. For what it's worth, Mac, you asked me about Pyre. It is not a Mac yeah. game. I use EditPad Lite. I use Notepad. Of course you Seriously? Do. He does. I use EditPad because at least there's a little bit more functionality than Notepad. Well, EditPad, the paid version, has a lot of useful stuff. EditPad, the free version is notepad you don't like edit pad right the, the paid one's great but i'm not seeing a point to edit pad light beyond yeah eh. i'm not seeing a point because i like it because it does exact because the functionality it offers is the exact same as notepad i married a curmudgeon does anyone know any other good ones or scott's miserable mac what do you use i have uh from work, Dreamweaver, so that's what I use for everything. I'm spoiled. See, thank you. Thank you, because I went through, like, half a semester of... You guys know that song, right? Yes, we know that song. (laughs) I went through half a semester of new media class working with Dreamweaver, and every time the teacher said, open up Dreamweaver, I'd go, you can't get me through the night. Yeah, I'm gonna try Komodo... The, the rule the rule I think moving forward should be this is a no pants podcast but you don't tell me when you're taking your pants off <laughs> you just show up without the pants what what what's the point fine um, I'm not gonna tell you <laughs> the pants are off <laughs> all right I'm the only one who doesn't take their pants off this is great <laughs> I like to find I out need, I don't need to know that <laughs> TMI. It's the most TMI thing ever. Sam is wearing pants. <laughs> exactly. How dare she wear pants? Oh my! My pants are stripy, which is pretty rad, though. <laughs> they they are fit for you know they're very comfortable and practical. Unlike your no pants. I was like, I don't have a beverage, but I don't care. I'm ready to start. <laughs> Playing the elephant song. <laughs> oh god. <laughs>
I'm a, I, I had a nap today, and all of a sudden now I'm just like, wee! I've had, I've had very little booze. <laughs> I, mean, I was totally drinking hot chocolate. No lies. What was in the hot chocolate? That's what I'm checking. Chocolate and milk! And hot. And hot, exactly! <laughs> and tiny marshmallows. No, there was no tiny marshmallows in that. I was very upset. Aww. I can see how that's upsetting. Me too. <sighs> it's got so frustrating. <laughs> well, huh. also, I'm gonna start you playing all have a good Cold rest Steel. Of the evening, then. Maybe. Yo, you guys too. Bye. Yeah, have a good night. Pleasure. Guys. A good pleasure night. as always to Enjoy chat. Enjoy your bread. Enjoy bread. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yes. <laughs> Almost ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry now, so I'm ready to go get something to eat. I wish I had bread. I would Yay. go eat bread if I had some. You you should eat anything, Mac. Eat everything. But I don't. Hint, hint. <laughs> if somebody wants to bring me some bread, you might want to hop onto it and bring me some bread now. I'd mail you some bread, but I'm not sure it would be... He's got a, he's got a <laughs> hitch! I'm not sure. Like, can you mail bread? Yes, you I can don't mail know. bread. In the three weeks it would take to get here, probably, it'd be like... Trend. Probably not oh, as good as it was. The, yeah. man, yeah. the man has a hankering for some bread. The you least you could do is some, deliver. Go, I don't think we have any bread. I'm going to go have some cheese sticks then. You've earned those cheese sticks. Fried cheese sticks. Okay. Reheated from yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like they, they, they just keep Welcome sounding worse every time. It's okay, Mac. Like cheese sticks at 10 at night. I remember those days of some of the weirdest shit I would feed my mom sometimes. Yeah, just anything to eat. You know, anything to eat. Just give me food. Food all the time. Put in Mac's belly. Yep. I ate nonstop. Like a pig. Or a baby. I ate every three hours. It's adorable. Oh, I wish babies only ate every three hours. Every hour. However often babies eat, I think I ate that much. <laughs> Do you poop as much? That's the important question. I think Mac poops more often than once every six days. You have no idea. <laughs> I've gone twice during this episode. <laughs> Thank you, right. Mac. <laughs> no wonder there's no <laughs> Just kidding. Only once. Uh, <laughs> that you know of. Oh, gosh. All right, well. Good night. That's the, conte- that's the contest. People, If people can guess when it was during the episode, they win one of the prizes. <laughs> no, we're not. That's we're not happening. We're creating a section called Who Last in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I no, I like I this game. <laughs> All right. You all have a good evening. Good night. And we'll catch you later. All right. Take care. Bye. See ya. I'm proud of you and your stats.